Well, take a seat. Good morning. That's your opportunity to respond. Good morning. Oh, it's great to see all of you here on site, and welcome to all of you who are joining us online. And Woodville family, Evan, I love you so, so much. We really do. And a shout out welcome to our guests that have joined us across Ottawa, Canada, and around the world. We are so pumped and honored that you are a part of this service today. How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? Amen. Well, we're in a seven-part sermon series that we're calling I Am. And we're taking seven Sundays to explore those great I am sayings of Jesus. And today is part number six. And I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 14. In the sixth verse, Jesus said, this is my favorite one. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Not a way, not the, a truth, not a life, but the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for a couple of moments this morning, I want to explore with you verse 1 down to verse 6, and I want to give you today four assurances that Jesus wants to give you today. The first assurance that I believe that Jesus wants to give us today, I want you to write this in your notes. Number one, it's the assurance of peace. The assurance of peace. And in verse number one, Jesus said to his disciples, not just to Peter, but to all of the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I started to study that in the original Greek language, and it was a lot stronger than the translation of my Bible. I mean, here it goes. Uh, Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. But it's really strong in the original language. It's kind of like this. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Jesus is very emphatic. Stop it. You don't have to do the stop letting your heart be troubled. And then I started to study the word trouble, and I learned that it was a word that speaks of a storm over the ocean, over the sea. And if you've ever been on the ocean in the middle of a storm, it's nasty. The waves are high, the water's raging, the wind is blowing, it's a storm. And so Jesus picks up the same word that speaks of a storm over a sea, and he said, stop letting your heart be troubled. I mean, there could be a storm outwardly in your life, but there can be peace on the inside. There can be chaos outwardly, but there can be calmness inwardly. Amen? And Jesus says to his disciples, you got to do something to stop letting the storm rage on the inside of your heart. For a couple of moments, I want to give you four reasons why your heart might be troubled. And these are the four reasons why the disciples' hearts were troubled, why there was a storm inside of their hearts. And, and you might relate to these. Number one, because of failure. I mean, when you read the end of chapter 13, Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter's like, hey, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm all in. And then Jesus says, okay, you're all in, but you're going to deny me three times in just a little while. That, that must have been like, a like ah, Peter must have been hurting. Like, I, I, I'm failure. I'm going to deny you. And there's some of you sitting here today on the main level, and some of you up in the balcony, and some in the risers, and some of you watching online. There's a storm on the inside because you feel like failure. You feel like failure in the home, feel failure in your marriage, maybe failure as a parent. You might feel like failure as a provider. You might feel like failure at the workplace, and, and, and you're letting failure define you. Church, don't let failure define you. Let failure refine you, and let Jesus define you. And failure can cause a chaos, a storm. But then there's number two, because of confusion. 
I mean, the disciples were like, I don't get this, Jesus. Like, we've been following you for three years, and now you're talking about going to a cross and dying and death, and we are so confused. And some of you today on site and some of you online, you're confused in life. You're like, I don't get why my life is going the way it's going. I don't know what's next. I'm confused. But then there's number three, disappointment. All of us have had disappointments in life. The disciples did. They thought that Jesus and the disciples were going to go into Jerusalem and they were going to crown Jesus as king and he was going to conquer the Romans and he's going to set up his kingdom. And then Jesus goes, no, that's not how it's going to work out. I'm going to go and die on a cross. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised to life. And they are marked with disappointment. Sometimes we've got a storm inside of us because of disappointment. But then it's number four, fear. I mean, if there was ever fear, the disciples were gripped by fear. I mean, the Romans were plotting to get Jesus. The Jewish people were upset at Jesus. And they're fearful that they're going to kill Jesus, which they did. And then they're fearful for their lives. And some of you today, fear is gripping you fear. Fear is real, but it's a spirit. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Amen? Come on, Woodville. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I believe Jesus wants to push away fear and he wants to bring calmness in the storm. And some of you today, you're fearful because of what the doctor said. You're fearful because of the COVID crisis. You're fearful because of the election in the States. You're fearful because of the economy and you're just living a life of fear. Church, God might, God, I believe, wants to bring a calmness in the midst of chaos and he wants to push away fear and he wants to still the storm in our hearts. And the word today is stop letting your heart be troubled? Is it disappointment? Is it fear? Is it failure? Is it, is it confusion? Let me share with you now four strategies for how you can deal with a, a troubled heart. And the first three aren't good ones, but the last one is what we learn in our text. Let's, let's give the bad ones. Number one, you ignore it. You've all done it. You've done it with your car. You get up in the morning, you get in your car, and the brakes are grinding, and you don't like it. And so you ignore it, and you turn up the radio. You've done it, haven't you? Or, or the car doesn't sound right, so you, you drive it through the car wash, like washing it is going to make it sound better. And you ignore it like it's going to fix it on its own. Sometimes people, when there's chaos on the inside and there's a storm brewing, they ignore it. They just deny it. They're in, they're in the, the, the river called denial. And they just ignore it. But then there's number two, people who hide it. You can hide it. I mean, people all the time that they hide the chaos. They hide the storm. And when there's a storm on the inside, I see some people get, get so bound by alcohol that they become alcoholics. And I see other people, they're so bound by the storm on the inside that they get bound by, by drugs, even prescribed drugs. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, that's me. I know that I'm addicted to a prescribed drug because I'm trying to hide the storm on the inside. And some of you, you get bound by stuff like, like pornography. And others of you, you get buried in your work and you become a worker and you begin to think working hard is the right thing, but yet you're trying to hide from the storm. Number one, you ignore it. Number two, you hide it. But then there's number three. Don't you love the people that just share it because they're miserable? They want everybody around them to be miserable. Do you know somebody like that? I hope it's not the person you're sitting beside. They got a storm on the inside and they want everybody to share it. They're not happy. They want everybody not to be happy. You can ignore it, hide it, share it. But what does Jesus teach us here? 
do not stop it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let there be a storm in your heart. And he tells us how, number four, you can entrust it. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And I studied the word believe in the original Greek, and it actually means entrust. And entrust means you give to someone something for them to take care of it. I mean, you go away for the weekend, you're a young parent, and you want a break, so you entrust your little kids to the grandparents. Or you, you've got a car, and you entrust it to your son to take it out. Or you take your money and you entrust it to the bank. You give something to someone for them to take care of it or protect it. Let me give you an illustration. His name was Johnny. He's just a little boy. And uh, he goes to the beach. And he shows up at the beach and he finds this senior lady sitting there at the beach. And he walks up to her and says, excuse me, ma'am. She goes, yes, may I help you? My name is Johnny. Do you believe in God? And she goes, yeah. Have you invited Jesus Christ in your heart? Yes, I have. Do you go to church? Yeah, every Sunday? Yeah, most. Do you read your Bible and pray every day? Yes. He goes, good. He said, here's my quarter. Could you take care of my quarter while I go swimming? I love that story. Little Johnny was just looking for someone he could trust. And church, some of you today, you're carrying your worry, you're carrying your burden, you're carrying your problem, you're carrying your confusion, you're letting failure define you, you're letting fear grip you, you're letting disappointment overwhelm you, and the word of the Lord today is stop letting yourself have a storm on the inside. Instead, entrust it to Jesus. If you can entrust it to God, you can entrust it to Jesus. Jesus cares more than you can imagine, and he can do what only he can do. He can take care of your crisis. Somebody give a little amen or clap offering in this place today. Number one, the first assurance is peace, but then there's number two, a place. The second assurance that Jesus offers is a place, and I love verse number two, because in verse number two, Jesus starts to talk about heaven. And he says in verse two, my father's house has many rooms or mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He talks about a place. He talks about his father's house. He's talking about heaven. I want you to write this in your notes. When your heart is troubled, one of the first things that you need to do, and I do it, I begin to think about my heavenly home. I begin to think about heaven. Heaven is real. Whew, anybody excited about heaven? I am. Anybody excited? Come on, anybody this morning excited about heaven? I am. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. And I want to show you today four things from verse number two about heaven. First of all, it's a place where you are safe. It's a place where you are safe. He said, my father's house. Now, some of you, when I say heaven is safe, you go, oh, Really? Where I was raised, it wasn't safe. I mean, there was cheating in my parents' marriage. There was lots of yelling and lots of screaming. And some of you are like, not just that, there was abuse. I mean, my home life was not safe. Church, just because your home life was not safe doesn't mean heaven is not safe. Heaven is safe because it is the Father's house and the Father will take care of you. Number one, heaven is a safe place. But then there's number two, it's a place where you are welcome. It says here, has many rooms. You might have another translation that says, has many mansions. I was raised in a small bungalow, less than a thousand square feet, two bedrooms. My bedroom was in the basement. That's bedroom number three. 
And truth be told, my father made the bedroom out of the neighbor's fence boards. That's just the way it was growing up. And, but my grandfather, my mom's dad, had a large old home up a huge hill. It was big. Grandpa's home was large. It had three floors. It had lots of bedrooms, so large that they rented out rooms. They didn't need it. It was an investment. And he rented, there's, there's probably like eight bedrooms in this house. And he rented them all out. Heaven is big. Heaven is so big. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't know if I like a large church. That's okay. I mean, Woodville, before COVID, almost 2,000 people on a Sunday morning. It's a large church. It doesn't make you a bad person if you don't like a large church. But some people take another leap and say a large church isn't the way of God. And I thought about that because I started to think if you don't like a large church, you're going to really struggle with heaven because heaven is big. Heaven is big. It's so big that there's going to be people from, from all, from beginning, from Adam to Eve to the sounding of the trumpet that's going to be in heaven. Heaven is huge. Uh, here's a little thought for you. I hope heaven is larger than hell. I said, I hope heaven is larger than hell. I hope there's more people in heaven than there are people in hell. And while I'm here on earth, I want to plunder hell and fill heaven. You see, heaven is a place where you're welcome. It's so large. But then there's number three. It's a place where you will be forever. It's your forever home. And he said, he said many rooms, and we've sometimes translated mansions, but the original Greek word that's been translated rooms or mansions actually means remain or abide. When you get to heaven, you will spend eternity in heaven. It's your forever home. But then there's number four, a little bit of Jewish culture. It's a place where you are comfortable. Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And everybody, all disciples understood this analogy. I'm going there to prepare a place before little Jewish culture. Marriages were arranged. How many of you moms and dads would like Canadians to get back to arranged marriages. Any, any parents? I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I want to decide who my daughters are marrying. I'm in. How many young people would love for marriages to be arranged? I won't see any hands. Marriages were arranged. Parent, God bless you, sweetheart. I see a hand. You made daddy's day. Church, marriages were arranged, and here's what happened. They, they arranged it, and they were betrothed or pledged to be married, but they didn't move in for one year they were betrothed and they were engaged. They were pledged to be married. What happened during that year is that the bridegroom would go to his dad's house. This is true. And for one year, the bridegroom and his dad would add an addition to their house, add some rooms to the house, add something beside the house so that he, when the year is up, can move in with his wife-to-be for one year. And they'd work on it and prepare it and make it just right for his bride to be. And so when Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, Jesus picked up the Jewish culture of a bridegroom going to his dad's house and preparing the room, preparing the addition, knowing in one year he would come back and bring his bride there. Now, church, I don't know what this all means for you and I, but I know this. Jesus, along with God the Father, is getting my room and your room ready in heaven. And I don't even know what that means, but I know this. I'm not going to spend eternity in heaven sitting and floating on a cloud playing a harp with a halo above my head. 
Heaven is going to be beautiful, but it's going to be busy. You are now being prepared for your eternal purposes. I often wonder if God is preparing my home, my room, my place in heaven, and your room and your place in heaven specifically designed for your eternal purpose in heaven. I don't even know what it all means, but heaven is going to be glorious. And what really makes heaven glorious is not the streets of gold or the walls of Jasper, but it is Jesus Christ himself. Anybody looking forward to seeing Jesus someday? Come on, Woodville. Anybody looking forward to seeing Jesus someday? The first assurance is peace. The second assurance is a place, and it's a safe place. It's a welcoming place. It's a forever place, and it's a comfortable place. But then there's assurance number three. It's a huge promise. And in verse number three, Jesus unpacks the promise to the disciples, and he says this, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. You see, most believers believe that the only scripture that talks about the rapture and the return of Jesus, the rapture of the church, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I'm about to show you that John chapter 14, verse 3, hammers the same truth home. And Jesus said, I'm going and I'm preparing a place for you. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing a place for you in heaven. And then he says, I will come back. I don't know about you, but, but I've been watching the news. I know the election deal. I know the unrest in the world. I see all that's going on on planet Earth. And I'm discovering that the world has got a lot of difficulties. And my prayer lately is, Jesus, even so, come quickly. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty cool if I don't get to point number four because the trumpet of the Lord sounds and we get to go to heaven before this message ends. I don't know about you, but I'm ready any moment for the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will. I will. I will come back. But please look at the screen and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I want you to underline the word take. It's a strong Greek word and it's a combination of two Greek words. The first Greek word is para, which means to come alongside. And the second Greek word is lambano, which means to seize by force, something that is sudden, something that is forceful. You see, the day is going to come when the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and Jesus is going to come back and he's going to snatch, sneeze, sits. he's going to snatch, seize, take away all the believers and we're going to go be with the Lord and we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. I'm pretty cool if today's the day. Come on, Woodville. I'm okay if I don't get my Pentecostal chicken today. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, if Jesus comes back before this sermon comes to a close, I'm okay. I can't wait to get anybody in the house looking forward to getting to heaven. Anybody in the house excited that she, come on, Woodville. Anybody excited today that Jesus is coming back? He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. You could write it down. You could take it to the bank. I am coming back. I am coming back. And I'll take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. But then there's number four. The final assurance is a plan. And I want to scrape deep into verse four, five, and six very quickly. But in verse four, Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Why did Jesus say that? So Thomas would ask the question. And Thomas, in verse number five, wasn't speaking as a doubter. He's not doubting Thomas. He really wanted to know. He said, Lord, we really don't know where you're going. We're kind of confused. 
So please tell us, how can we know the way? See, Jesus said something so Thomas could ask something, and then so Jesus can declare something. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am not a way, I'm the way. I'm not just a truth, I'm the truth. And I'm not just a life, I am the life. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me be very honest, very transparent, and very direct today. This verse rubs up against a secular society and a pluralistic society because a secular society doesn't see anything to do with Jesus and a pluralistic society says any religion takes you to heaven, all religions are the same. It doesn't matter what God you worship. They're all the same. And a secular society says, we don't need God. Love wins. We're all going to get to heaven. It's all good. But Jesus said something that is very narrow, very direct, very, very sincere, but very solid. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Is there any affirmation in the house today that Jesus is, come on, with thou, the way? the truth, and the life. As I wrap up this message today, when Jesus said, I am the way, without Jesus' church, there's no going. It's Jesus only, and it's only Jesus. The way speaks of a route, and a number of times in the book of Acts, the early believers were called the way because they were following the way, and Jesus is the way. If you want to know your tomorrow, follow Jesus. If you want to get to heaven, follow Jesus. If you want to get to heaven, it's not your good works. It's not your goodness. It's grace alone. You've got to personally accept Jesus Christ in your life. It's not a religion. It's a relationship, and Jesus paid the price for our sins. He is the way, and without Jesus, there is no going. Nobody can do what Jesus did because nobody could die for our sins other than Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he paid a debt he didn't owe. And I owe a debt I can never pay. But I'm kind of happy today that Jesus paid it all. He shed his blood on a cross and he died. And on the third day up from the grave, he arose. And I affirm today, he is the way. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. Number two, when he said, I'm the truth, Without Jesus, there's no knowing. One time Jesus said, the truth will set you free. There is no falsity in Jesus. He is truth. He's not a truth. He is truth. And because he is truth, he can set you free from the falsity and the problems and the baggage of life. You can take your habits, your hangups, and your hurts to Jesus, and he can bring freedom in the name of the Lord. Why? Because he's truth. And then there's number three. He said, I'm the life. Without Jesus, there's no growing. Friends, you want abundant life? You want eternal life? Try Jesus. He is the way. Come on, Woodville. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. As I wrap up this message today, what storm is brewing in your heart? Jesus says to you, stop. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Jesus said, entrust your care to him. He will take care. Jesus went on to teach us that there's a place called heaven, and it's safe, and it's welcoming, it's forever, and it's comfortable. Heaven is real. And then he offers a promise, I am coming back, and you're going to spend eternity with me. You see, friends, we need to be reminded of that, and the plan is that he's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. Every head is bowed. 
Everyone's eyes are closed. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, for everyone on this main level and everyone in the balcony, everyone in the risers, and everyone that's watching on live streaming, today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity. Or if today was the day that Jesus came back, if today was the day that the trumpet sounded, if today was the day that Jesus came back for his church, are you ready? Youngest to eldest, seated in this auditorium, watching online, are you ready? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? Some of you are thinking, I've always been a believer. No, you haven't. I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. There's got to be a time, a place, a moment that you said yes to Jesus, that you asked Jesus to come into your life. I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know that you're going to heaven. You're seated here today. Your eternity is at stake. There's some of you sitting here today, you're thinking, I've got lots of time. I'll settle it down the road. You don't know what the end of this day holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. I invite you before this service closes, if you haven't done so, make your peace with God through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way, only Jesus, and Jesus only. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you've never made your peace with God, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray with these wonderful people who want to make their peace with God. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus. I ask you into my heart, please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today I say yes. Today I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to open your eyes and I want you to get on your feet. Could you do that? Just get on your feet. Open your eyes. Could we celebrate salvation? Come on, Whitfield. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Can we celebrate salvation? Come on. Yeah. I really believe that there's a number of you in this auditorium and a number of you that are watching online that you made your peace with God through Jesus Christ. Best decision you could ever make. If you're here on site in a couple of moments on your way out, drop by a table. You can't miss them. We got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. It's free. And we're going to tell you how we can help you in your new faith journey. If you're watching online, reach out to us. We'll reach back to you. And if you live in the Ottawa area and you don't attend a life-giving Bible-believing church, we'd be pumped if you joined us in the journey. If you live somewhere across Canada, around the world, and you need help to find a church, reach out to us. We will help you find a life-giving good church. 
Come on, put your hands together again and celebrate, 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 celebrate. Pastor Brad, COVID's not all that fun. And winter's coming. It's a warm day. We thank the Lord. I, I really think we need a little bit of celebration in the house this morning. And so I, Pastor Brad and I, were just, we, we don't just throw a service together. You, you can hear these songs that I really believe have been spirit-led woven into the theme, but we chatted about a song for the end of the service. This is a lot of celebration, and it's called The Way. Come on, how many people are glad that Jesus is the way? Come on. How many people are glad that Jesus is the truth? He's the life. So let's celebrate. Let's worship.
but your love came to find me, Jesus, you are the way, you are the way, you are the way, come on, you're the light, you're the light shining bright in the darkness, Jesus, you are the way. church. He's the light in the darkness. Amen. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Come on, we may not be allowed to sing, but we can dance this morning. You ready? One, two, three, four. Give a loud clap off and praise to the Lord God Almighty. Amen. 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 Well, in just a couple of moments, this service is going to come to a close. And I, first of all, want to say thank the Lord for those that made their peace with God through Jesus Christ today. Make sure you drop by a table, Bible for you, a little booklet for you. We want to help you in your new faith journey. Can we just one more time just give a great big warm welcome to all of our first-time guests? We are honestly, honestly so glad that you came today. And if this is your first visit, I hope you come back. We have a gift for you on your way out. Drop by one of those tables. You can't miss it. We have a coffee card for you, our way of saying thank you for coming. I want to thank all of you who are watching online who have joined us today and all of you who joined us on site. And if you're watching online and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to come back. Is it safe at Woodvale? I got a question for everyone on site. Is this place a safe place? Are you feeling safe? Are you feeling safe? And I don't know online if you can hear that, but the truth is we've made this as safe as we know how. And we're living out all the guidelines, all the precautions, and even stepping it up a bit because we want it to be safe. And so if you're like, I don't know if it's safe, it is safe, try it. We think you'll love it, and we encourage you to come. And friends, in a couple of moments after we close, we're gonna have some altar workers standing at the front. And if you'd like someone to pray for you, we want to give you this opportunity. It will be socially distanced. They will not be laying hands on you. They'll listen to you. They'll be wearing a mask. They're going to pray for you. And we want you to have that opportunity. I also want to say to you as your pastor on site, online, thank you for your faithful, continual, ongoing giving. You've been amazing. Keep it up. And uh, we're grateful for that. And some of you today... Uh, you, your way of giving is on site. You're ready to give. There are ushers at the back. There are debit machines available in the lobby and uh, self-serve debit machines. And we want to thank you for your faithful giving. And folks, when we leave, we're not robots. We're social creative beings that we're allowed to talk. We're allowed to share. But we're asking you that we, at this point in time, we can't make the lobby a hangout place. Right? The cafe's not open yet. And we need to go outside. It's a warm day. And uh, keep your mask on. Keep six feet apart. But talk it up. Have some fellowship. And uh, I'm just so glad you came. God is up to something big. And we're, we're all getting pumped about Christmas. We've got these Christmas, December 
uh, Whitvale Christmas in December. We got some exciting things coming up, including Christmas Eve. You're going to hear about that, and uh, we think it's going to be exciting. I'm so glad you're here. Evelyn and I love you. Here's your virtual hug, and make sure you write down that prayer night at the end of the month. Roger, who was in first service, I mean, he honestly was on death doors, lots of complications in his body, COVID included, and because of those complications in the natural, COVID probably would have taken him, but Jesus intervened, and uh, he was in church this morning, and he said, I'll see you next Sunday, and he's going to share a little bit of that testimony on our prayer night. Come on, one more time, celebrate what God's doing, celebrate what God's doing. And you're watching online, we love you. We're praying for you. And I know there's people across Ottawa, there's people across the nation of Canada, and there's people globally around the world that have joined in. We love you, and we're praying for you. And may God bless each one of you. May God give you a great week. And thank you for joining us today. God bless you.